Welcome to Psalm Springs, a podcast dedicated to an open and hopefully inspirational discussion of the biblical book of Psalms. We come to you each week with different aspects and different views of the ancient text and how those texts might inform our lives today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Psalm Springs, in which we attempt to find meaning and relevance in the ancient writings of the psalmists. And today we have with us yet again Father Andrew Green, my good friend and my teacher. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, it's great to be here. How's retirement going for you? Ah, uh, I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay, so then we'll, we'll, we'll add some more recordings to keep you busy. Well, this is a week before the Jewish holiday of Purim, uh, the fast of Esther at the beginning of the week, and then Monday evening, uh, Purim itself, in which we read the Megillah, we read the scroll of Esther, and uh, we do some partying, and we give gifts of food and, uh, and, and charity to the poor. And it's also just a few weeks before the Easter season, we're in Lent now, and so we've chosen together, uh, Andrew and I have chosen together to study Psalm 22 today, Psalms 22. And uh, perhaps, um, Andrew, will we begin by you just reading, I don't think we have to read the whole psalm, but to get, get a feeling, maybe the first five or six verses. Okay. Um, I actually like to read a few verses from the front and down a few verses because one of them is really significant for all the commentaries. Great. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me and are so far from my cry and from the words of my distress? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not answer. By night as well, but I find no rest. Yet you are the Holy One enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And now I'm skipping down to um, verses Six verses 15, 16, and 17 uh, in the uh, Book of Common Prayer counting. My mouth is dried out like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth, and you have laid me in the dust of the grave. Packs of dogs close me in, and gangs of evildoers encircle around me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones." They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. They cast lots for my clothing. I would say not one of the happiest psalms. Not one of the happiest psalms. Yeah, yeah, this is, the poet here is definitely in trouble and angry. Why, God, have you forsaken me? Uh, we're going to get back to that, but I just want to comment on something uh, from verse 15 in the Hebrew, it's 15. It might be, uh, my, my tongue is dry, uh, my mouth is dry. Which verse is that? Is that 15? 15. 15. Um, by the way, the difference in verses we've spoken about this before is because in, in the Hebrew, there is often a title to the psalm, as there is this one today. Psalm 22 is entitled, Lamanatseach al Ayelet Hashachar. Mizmor le David, it's multiple titles. Lamanatzeach is usually translated to the conductor. Al Ayelet Hashachar, on the matter of or being played on, depends how you understand this phrase, Ayelet Hashachar, which means the morning star. 
some people, uh, and this is already in medieval commentaries, uh, feel that it is a musical instrument that's called the morning star, Ayelet HaShachar. Other people uh, say that it has to do with the time, have it, doing it in the morning, and still others say that it's a psalm that talks about the uh, redemption from the exile in the days to come. We'll have more to say about that afterwards. Ayelet HaShachar, the morning star, is a symbol for hope at the end, a light at the end of the tunnel. And then it even adds, Mizmor more the David, a song either in honor of David or by David. Uh, and what I found is in mostly uh, when uh, my Christian uh, friends and colleagues speak about a psalm, this part is usually not included at all. No. Right. Okay. But just jumping back to that same verse 15, if you could read it again, please, in English. My mouth is dried out like a pot sherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth, and you have laid me in the dust of the grave. All right, so we get that feeling, that kind of uh, three-stared three parallelism here. Uh, but here's the interesting thing. In the Hebrew, it's Yavesh kecheres kochi. My strength is as dry as a pot sherd. Which, of course, as Robert Alter points out, doesn't really make any sense. And uh, we have this principle of parallelism in biblical poetry. So if the second half of that line is, my tongue is stuck to my, my cheek, to the inner part of my cheek, uh, or as in, in, in the English, the, well, roof. Yeah. the roof of my mouth, um, it would be far more logical to understand the word kochi to rearrange the letters as chiki. Uh, and that does mean my tongue, uh, just like a verse in another psalm as well. May my my arm wither, may my, my tongue stick to the roof of the mouth. And so uh, very often modern scholarship will offer an emendation. Usually it's based on the fact that there's another manuscript or another ancient version, whether it's the, uh, the Septuagint, the Greek, or the Vulgata, the, the Latin, and say, well, the Hebrew was originally this, and it's reflected in an ancient translation. Here we don't have any other translations, or we don't have any Dead Sea Scrolls, at least not yet fragments from Dead Sea Scrolls that can attest otherwise, but logic dictates that simply the, the copier of the text uh, reversed the order of the kaf and the chet. Not an important matter, but still something we like to mention in Psalm Springs with our quasi-academic approach. And now, uh, Father Andrew, back to the beginning, this, the, 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 that first verse or second in the, Hebrew, in the Hebrew, Eli, Eli, lama azavtani, right? God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's one of the lines because this is quoted in two of the gospel uh, passion readings that we do on Good Friday. So we do Good Friday every year. There's three different readings we do. And it is for readers, usually these are the clergy who are reading this, um, is our time to practice our best Hebrew or, or other language, which we don't usually speak. So if you went to different churches on a Good Friday and you could hear all the different um, cler uh, Christian clergy saying these lines in either Hebrew or Aramaic, um, you would come away with some very interesting <laughs> pronunciations. Yeah, there's probably somebody who's made a little video clip with those just those words repeated by by dozens of people in different ways. I would imagine. If, if not, we probably should. Well, that should be our next project. There's my retirement 
project. Right. But already, as a, as someone who knows this psalm, by the way, I have to admit, uh, I, I know these words not from the psalms and not from the gospels, but from Simon and Garfunkel. Mm -hmm. The song, I think, is called Blessing. Blessed are the meek. And, and that's the first time I ever heard any of the parts, which, of course, is taken directly. I, I'd like to say it's, it's Paul Simon's uh, midrash of of the uh, of, uh, of of the Beatitudes, mm. and also of of this particular verse here of Jesus's life, at least as told in the Gospel of Matthew, which I'm familiar with more than the others. But the interesting thing is, is that here it says Eli Eli Lama Azavtani, and in the Gospel text in Matthew it's Eli Eli Lama. Sabachthani, or I would say in Aramaic it would be Shavaktani, which is the Aramaic translation of Azavtani, or have you forsaken me? And uh, another interesting thing is when it appears, what's the other gospel it appears in? Um, wherever the other parallel gospel yeah, is, it, it's it's not Eli, Eli, it's Eloi. Eloi, yeah. Eloi, which is probably Elohai. Probably the way that the Greek transcribers I took that. Elohai is is another form, just another form of my God. Uh, we use it in our prayer. Elohai, neshama shenatatabi. Uh, we use both of them in our prayer. Okay, so this is um, and and I would say it's not just this verse. It's much of what's in this psalm, is played out in the passion narrative. Yes. Right. There's. Go ahead. I guess. And so one of the one of the questions about this is, um, how much of the passion narrative that um, that we have written down is written down to mirror some of the phraseology that comes out of the, the psalm itself. Um, how many kind of checkoff points are there in the psalm? I can count all my bones. Uh, not a bone was broken. Um, yeah, rip the, his garment was not ripped, but they cast lots for my vesture. So there's a variety of these places. And in the commentaries that I was looking at from the second century, uh, second of the common centuries, um, those, those were the points that the various folks from Origen, Tertullian, um, and all these people were making. Um, they were simply quoting these lines, not with commentary, but just to to say, here's what it said. And universally, they looked at it as um, forth-telling or future-telling from the Psalms about what would happen to Jesus. Right, and and not to be heretical in, in, a, in a Christian context, but since this isn't a Christian context, I'm not being heretical, I'm just making a, an academic Jewish studies comment to what I learned from my good friend and teacher, Professor Yair Zakovich of Hebrew University, was that is that he tried to show in, in uh, one of his writings, basically Matthew especially, is mapped out so that it would reflect these verses. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah. yes. Uh, because, you know, when, when, a, when a, a, a young Jewish uh, boy, teenager, as I was once, 16, was on a train in the East Coast, and I was approached, I had my, my yarmulke, my kippah, I was approached by someone, it's I think the only time in my life, he sat down to try to convince me of the of, of, of the truth of, of, of Christ as Messiah, and uh, or Christ as Messiah, but Jesus as Messiah. And he had his Bible open and kept showing me these verses in Isaiah, which I had really not known very much. So, but how you know this is how could you 
How could you not agree with this? It's exactly right. Unless, of course, yeah, that's what it was written to reflect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, somebody had the script. Yeah. One way or another, though, um, it, it does, I know, in my own, uh, my own adventures in, in the Gospel of Matthew in recent months, it has shown me how, how similar, at least Matthew, was written to rabbinic literature in its constant striving to make the ancient text come alive, make the ancient text. And so here's a psalm, which is not an easy psalm, but it was in, in 2,000 years ago, somebody made it come alive. Yes. In, in the narrative of Jesus' life here on earth. Well, there's, there's so many places. This is one of the things that you and I go back and forth on because uh, many of the places that Christians read, particularly Isaiah, other prophets, uh, we read them for things that we have connected with the ministry, the prophecy, uh, as we might see it about Jesus. And quite often those passages are passages that don't have much significance in, in Jewish uh, liturgy per se. Um, and so it's it's interesting how things went in a different course. We took those particular passages and really ran with them. And the uh, liturgical life of Judaism went in a different direction, potentially because Christians went with those. Except for this is not one of those cases, this is not, right? This, because this is a psalm, both. according to many of the tra Jewish traditions, not all. It is said on the day of Purim. In other traditions, it's said on the fast of Esther the day beforehand. And there are various verses from this psalm which are taken uh, out of the context of the psalm and right. used in other parts right. of the prayer. Right. For instance, uh, verse 4, Vatakadosh, Yoshev Tiilot Yisrael. What would be 4 in the translation? 4 in the translation, Our forefathers put their trust in you. They trusted and you delivered them. It's actually the next one. Okay. They cried out to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not put to shame. Oh, so then take one back. Yet you are the Holy yeah. One enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Okay, yeah. And that one is used in one of the daily prayers of Valet Zion. There's There's one or two others that I saw in preparing today. So... Um, in, in the experience, though, Father Andrew, of being a, a, a Christian who is, who, who is using the Psalms to pray, is this something you would ever suggest to somebody to pray on their own outside of the liturgy? This particular Psalm? Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because, as you can imagine, since it is a pretty difficult passage, folks uh, were particularly concerned about um, trying to figure out why Jesus the Son of God, was so upset. And, um, you know, didn't he know that this was all going to be okay and all these kind of things? And I can remember when I was a, a teenager, I can remember a priest telling me, well, because the Psalter was the hymnal of Judaism. This was like a bedtime psalm. Again, I'm not suggesting that what I'm going to tell you is accurate for the Jewish experience, but it's what I was taught. And so if you read the whole psalm, it actually ends in a much better place than it starts out. And so the idea was that um, all that gets quoted is that first one. But in fact, even on the cross, Jesus was reciting this comforting bedtime mm. Um, song that perhaps his mother had taught him and was finishing up with those very positive uh, and um, those sense of confidence building lines at the end. 
I don't know that I accept that, that, but I know that that's what I heard when I was a young person and I was confronted with, well, how does this match up? And of course, now, if somebody asked me about that and I was teaching, I'd say, so it means that Jesus was afraid and upset just like we would be. And it means that he experienced what other people also experience from time to time. He might have even experienced a sense of abandonment as well. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the message that I glean from it is, is that uh, while we might feel God has abandoned us, uh, we teach and we believe that God never does abandon us and God always has us in God's God's mind and God's uh, and in the palm of God's hand, even though that might mean we still go through a lot of mm-hmm. nasty stuff. It emphasizes uh, Jesus's humanity. Yes. Right. And, and um, towards the end, uh, another verse which we find in our prayer daily prayer book at the end of the of the verses of Psalms before the call to prayer, Ki hamlucha moshel vagoyim, because it is unto God, the kingdom is unto God. Um, uh, to reign on all the peoples of the world in in, uh, in the Hebrew in in verse thirty nine and and the truth is towards the end that whole that whole part at the end as you read and as you said now is one of comfort mm-hmm. yeah. for better days yeah, for kingship belongs to the Lord he rules over the nations to him alone all who sleep in the earth bow down and worship all who go down to the dust fall before him. My soul shall live for him. My descendants shall serve him. They shall be known as the Lord's forever. And I think the last line for us, they shall come and make known to a people yet unborn the saving deeds that he has done. Right. Which, in essence, is the, is the, is the story mm-hmm. of Christianity, of early Christianity, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you mentioned that this is said in the church on on Good Friday? Primarily on Good Friday. Mm -hmm. And then it appears in one year during a Sunday in Lent, uh, a portion of it. And interestingly enough, in another year, it appears on the fifth Sunday of Easter, I think in year C. Um, So, uh, and it's again, one of the later portions of the Psalm. And I know that it always kind of um, freaks out the parishioners when they see that Psalm 22 is showing up on an Easter Sunday, but then they read it, and it's this really positive, um, affirming. Because they're thinking worship. of the beginning of the psalm. They're, everybody is thinking. I mean, when we think of Psalm 22, it's always, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay. So uh, to our listeners who are about to celebrate Purim on Monday, uh, Monday night and Tuesday, perhaps even fast on, on Monday, uh, the fast of Esther, uh, those that may be saying this psalm, it gives us a lot of food for thought of how things, uh, the Jewish people in the narrative, the myth of the Jewish people being exiled, but looking forward to better days of redemption. It gives us food for thought as to what exactly is redemption. Is our vision of redemption the same as is written here? I can test to myself. No, that's not the that's not what I'm looking forward to in the days to come. Um, I'm looking for something far more uh, universal, I think. But uh, so whether it's our Jewish listeners or our Christian listeners who perhaps are are, are making the best of the days of Lent to uh, search their souls and to prepare themselves for. 
for the season of renewal in Easter. One way or another, we've got a great example how the Psalms bring our two traditions together. Indeed. Well, thank you for being with us, Father Andrew. It's always my pleasure. Psalm Springs is a production of Or Hamid Bar, Light of the Desert, an organization dedicated to intellectual, spiritual, and social engagement with the Jewish tradition. We're based in Palm Springs, California, and we'd like to give thanks to Madalena Garza for editing and everything else tech-like in this production. Please check us out at www.orhamidbar.org for more information. And if you'd like to sponsor a Psalm Springs episode, you can do so by going to our website. If you like what you've heard, please express it on iTunes, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.